Welcome back to episode 65 of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. You've got a happy Scotty this week. Have we got a happy Mel this week? Mel's happy most weeks. Most weeks? I was, ho- I was hoping you were going to say Mel's always happy. <laughs> that would be a lie. And I don't <laughs> do lying on the podcast. So, did Parkrun make you happy this week? Yes. And no, I'm still hobbling a little bit, um, but it was it was a special park run, so I didn't volunteer this week. I did a little bit of an adventure to Golden Beach to run with my sister-in-law, who was doing her 100th park run, which was very special. Oh, we always like milestone runs, celebration runs. What did you get up to? Well, I also had a milestone run. I went back to Studley and ran with one of our runners, Big Adam, who ran his 50th. So Adam's been with us since the launch of Studley, hardcore Studley runner. So I just did. There was an article during the week on Run Bundle with the founder, PSH. It's a really good article, some good quotes in there from the main man. But one thing that stood out for me is that he really emphasised again that Park Run is not a race. And it's just a run in the park with your mates. And that was 100% my experience on Saturday. I I didn't break out of a trot. Had a chat to a couple of my mates throughout the course. And again, just a fun morning made me happy. Yeah, I had a fun morning too. As, As part of the, you know, celebrations of Karen's 100th, her daughter, her eldest daughter, Alicia, who she has been harassing to get to Park Run for more than four years now, came for the very first time. And she wasn't going to run the course. Um, she wasn't going to participate. She was just going to show up and cheer everyone in at the end. But when she found out that I would be hobbling along and um, not going to be too competitively paced, she decided to keep me company. And that was really nice because finally she got her first park run under her belt. She didn't go through the finish line because I think she was still a little bit too shy about it. Um, And she hadn't bought her barcode with her anyway. So she was like, well, I'm just going to come up unknown anyway. But, you know, she did the course. So that's the first step. Mm. What's been her aversion to park run? Um, the fact that she's a teenager and she likes to sleep. Mm. Common problem. It discovered. is. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should shift it. How would you guys cope up there if we moved it to nine? Would nine work? No, we would suffer. We would suffer if it was 8 a.m. up mm. here. It's just not going to happen in the summertime. Mm. Nine would work down here. I'd be happy with nine, even in summer. Yeah, but then half your day is gone. By the time you finish and you have breakfast and you have a chat and then all of a sudden it's midday. Yes and no. So it was obviously a weekend of milestones because there was a big milestone also down here at Newborough. We had a couple of three generations running their 250th run. We're starting to see a few of these pop up around the country and we were lucky enough that Oyela ventured out to Newborough and caught up with a whole bunch of people including... Amber, Jenny and Corey, the runners in the spotlight this week doing their 250. Should we have a listen? Yes, I want to hear all about it. Hello, Parkrun Adventurers. My name's Oyela. It's Friday evening and uh, we're in Newborough with a group of Parkrun Adventurers um, getting ready 
for a celebration at Newborough Park Run tomorrow. We've just had dinner and we're ready to celebrate with Jenny Erickson, Amber Erickson and Corey Simmons. All three of them are going to be completing their 250th Park Run tomorrow morning. And not only is 250 a very special number, but there's something extra special about this group because they are three generations of the same family. Jenny is Amber's mother and is also Corey's grandmother. So it's going to be a real family event. So we've just stepped aside from the um, celebratory dinner for me to have a chat with Jenny um, just to ask her a little bit about um, Parkrun. So Jenny, first of all, could you just say, um, how did you find out about Parkrun in the first place? Well, we'd been running uh, every month with the Victorian Road Runners around the tan and we quite enjoyed that and we'd done quite a few um, fun runs. And then Amber came home one day and said, Mum, how would you like to run every week instead of just running it once a month? And I said, well, that sounds all right. And, and she said, I've just been reading about this park run that's being started up at Albert Park and uh, we could go and run there every week. We could still run it at, with the road runners if we wanted to, but this way we will at least be running consistently. And we thought it was a good idea, so that's basically how it came about. Well, that's great, but one of the things that a lot of people at Albert Park didn't realise when you first started running was how far you were coming to get there, to, um, to join in with the, you know, the great event that was developing there. So where were you living at the time and how long did it take you to get there? Okay, so we were living in, uh, I was living in Bales near Kuirup and Amber was living just down the road in Katani. And we didn't think of it as being far because we'd been coming in, as I say, once a month to uh, Victorian Road Runners and every fun run was in the city. And Amber was the driver, designated driver, and as long as she was willing to drive us there, I was quite happy, even though I did say, even though I didn't particularly like driving into the city, that I would, you know, take turns if she wanted to take turns, but she was quite happy to go. So for us, it was just, we were going that far anyway, so we just, it was just more often, that was all. And having gone to Park Run a few times you decided it was something you really wanted to continue? It's funny because we all basically agreed that it was it was just as good, if not better, than running, and we really enjoyed running with the, the VRR, uh, that it was just as good, if not more fun. And I guess because we all were doing, we were doing it together, um, we've always sort of done things together, because we were doing it together, it, it made it a bit easier too, because instead of just every one of us having to get up early every morning, we all got up together and, and didn't think anything of it. Now, I see that you, for a long time, consistently came to Albert Park and then as other, and that was the first park run in Victoria, but when other park runs started to, um, you know, it launched, you did here and there go to others, um, but it wasn't, a, it was almost three years, I think, before you, you went to somewhere else, which was Pakenham, yeah. and then you went to Berwick Springs for a New Year's Day run. So since then, I see from looking at your statistics, you've been to a, quite a, a, a few other places. You've been to um, some launches, not counting Newborough, which is your, your current home, or Albert, which was your home for such a long time. Could you say whether you have any favourites or any particular memories of other places? I think because we started at Albert Park, that was always going to be our favourite. And we all liked the fact that it was one lap, one lap of the lake. Um, for a long time, I didn't like running double laps or up and backs or um, but over time then and everyone we went to the people were friendly 
I think because we started at Albert Park and we found the people friendly there right from the start, we made a lot of friends there. And because we've been going so long, that's why it took us a while to get into other ones. And then we realised how much the newer ones starting up relied on people coming and supporting them until they got going. Um, and we all like, it, it was funny in a way because we all liked different ones. I quite liked Pakenham, but Amber found it hard because it was more on concrete and she'd had a lot of trouble with her knee. I was lucky I didn't have any trouble with, you know, any injuries. Um, so we all liked them for different reasons. But yeah, over time we started to try going to a few more and we'd, because we stopped doing so many fun runs too, I think that gave us a chance to move around a bit more and do other park runs. If we'd kept doing, because we were doing a different, at least one fun run a month at one stage, as well as uh, Victorian road runners every month as well. Once we weren't doing quite as many uh, of the, of the uh, fun runs, we started getting around to more of the, the park runs, which was good. Very much looking forward to joining you tomorrow morning to actually um, put that 250th run in the, in the bag and really, really big congratulations for what you've done so far. Thank you very much. So, Friday evening in Newborough and I'm here with Amber Erickson who is one of the three members of a family due to do their 250th park run tomorrow. At the moment, I believe you're now regulars here in Newborough and I see from um, the reports that you have had your debut as a run director and Corey's going to be a run director sometime in the next few weeks. That is correct, yes. In terms of um, the motivation that's kept you coming to Parkrun over the years, could you say a little bit about what that's been? Um, look, running's always been something that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm not going to pretend that it does. Um, but, you know, we started running all together to you know to do something as a family to share an interest and um, you know that community spirit that that park run brings is definitely the main reason it brings us back um, you know through injury and illness and everything else all right I, I'm out there and I really wish sometimes I could run but you know being out there with that community being able to catch up with people every week is is a big a big part of, of what draws us to that um, and also for me um, I'm very, a very strong disability advocate and I've found Parkrun from the moment that we started there to be a very inclusive event and, and that's always been very important to me because, you know, I, I think it's, it's great to have these events but if it's only for the elite or the fastest or that kind of thing, then, you know, it, it doesn't really serve a purpose to me but to see that anyone from any age, from any speed, from any ability um, can participate, that, that really is something that, that I find quite unique in this day and age and have you found that that is something it, it is very much part of the parkrun ethos but has it been something that you have seen really happen on the ground either well in any of the parkruns that you've visited or, or any one more than others perhaps um, well look definitely and i suppose um first and foremost i noticed it at albert park when we first started because when we first started um, I had my son there who is on the spectrum, but I also had my foster son at the time who had a disability. And the guys there could not be more inclusive and welcoming of the differences that both those two young boys presented with at the time. Um, but I've definitely noticed because of the tourism that we've done 
that um, there are a lot more people of all abilities participating. I think Newbra has got a, a huge uh, group of people with very varying abilities. Um, we've got a young girl there who's recently started who um, gets around on, on like crutches and, um, you know, everyone has been so welcoming and, and ensuring that, you know, she has everything she needs there. And I think that's a, a huge thing to be able to see that a community event is just so welcoming and, and so um, supportive of that kind of thing. Hmm, that's good to hear. Does Parkrun kind of get a little bit old or are you really excited about tomorrow? Really excited about tomorrow. I don't... Look, it's funny because someone said to me the other day, they know that both my son and I have been turning up to Parkrun probably for the last two years with both injury and illness and we've basically been forced to walk. It hasn't been a been a, a decision of we're doing it for the fun of it. Um you know, if, if we don't get out there, walking is the only thing we can do at the moment. But in saying that, that has opened up a completely different set of opportunities that running did. Although I met some wonderful people while I was running, I've met some even more wonderful people by walking. Um, the people that have supported my son in the time that he's been unwell was just, I, I can't be thankful enough. Um, but also the people that maybe by us walking, we've met and helped inspire their journeys, whether they're people just starting out, whether yeah. they're people that have got ongoing injury and illness, that walking is the only thing they can do as well. Um, to me, it's, you know, at the end of the day, as much as I want to run, it's more about that social aspect of meeting people, getting to know the journey of their life and what they're doing. And look, Corey and I see us being unwell or injured as just a speed hump to that. It's just... A glitch in time that we hope eventually by the time we're at two by the time we're at 500 we may be back to running but if we're not we'll still definitely be out there so right. you have been a family who I would say you've done your fair share of volunteering but more so than that you've always been available to help on a less formal basis you've been there to to help with things that have gone on on the day. I seem to recall you've made a few cakes in your time. Would that be right? Just a few, just a few, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and look, again, it's part of that community spirit. If you feel that, like, I felt for a long time that I didn't have the confidence to be a run director and do the sort of the stuff on the scene. Yeah, I was, I was competent to be a timer or a photographer, but I never felt that I could step up and do... A bigger role so when there were other things like you know we need cakes or you know we need someone to dress up in a stupid costume because we're running a costume day you know we wanted to help encourage that and support that so we did those little things because to us it, it was still playing a part oh well it's, um, I, I would say those things are the kind of glue that holds together a positive community of people feeling that it's a social event yeah. and not just just a running event yeah. but having said all that you have had a debut as run director i have yes um wouldn't say it was my finest hour but let's say i can i can improve on it but it wasn't as scary as i thought it was Great. so good. good thank you very much for speaking to us thank you so corey just looking back over the last uh, roughly five years since yep. you started parkrun yep. do you have any real strong memories that stand out i think the strongest memory i have is um the second birthday um, when we had to dress up and um, for Zoo for Two it was. Um, yeah, so that was really good and it brought us all together. Yeah, so. um, more recently, you have been um, coming to Parkrun and walking rather than running. Yes, that's right. So would it be right to say that there's enough going on at Parkrun that it motivates you to keep coming back in yes, that way? Yes, because it's, 
because the people are really friendly and um, it's just good to get out there and keep exercising. Um, it's just really healthy and it's good for my health condition. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep going and, yeah. Um, and one of the questions that I did ask of Jenny was whether um, you found it any different in terms of starting off pushing towards getting 50 and then pushing towards getting 100. And then this it has been only just about two or three weeks beyond um, three years to go from 100 to 250. Yeah. Um, has the experience been similar along the way or has one or other of them been sort of more enjoyable? Well, it's for about um, the first 100 runs was quite a lot different because I was, I was running, but um, I feel like from 100 to 250, it's it's been different because I've been walking. So I just been trying to get out there and keep going and it just it's it's unbelievable that I'm up to my 250 and and because one of the things just looking at the numbers it appears to me that looking at your running and looking at your volunteer history there's probably been only a very small number of weekends where you haven't somehow been involved in parkrun yes. would that be right yeah that's right yeah so every week I basically ran, um, but if I haven't ran, it's been a volunteer. Only about two weeks um, when I had an injury. Yeah, I didn't volunteer, but yeah. And um, could I just ask, in terms of anyone who's thinking of whether they, you know, whether parkrun might be for them, do you have any advice or, or suggestions that you could make to them? I would just say um, you don't have to run it. It's not all about speed. It's just getting out there and um, having fun and, um, yeah, it's good for you and, Right, well, thank you, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing the three of you tomorrow thank morning um, getting to that milestone. Yeah, thank you. So, thank you, Corey. So, it's now Saturday morning after a very successful park run here at Newborough today, and um, our trio have completed their 250th run, and I'm speaking to Tony O'Connell, who some of you know as Toc, who is here. Um, he was, I would say, the fanciest of the fancy dress today. The theme was green, and he really went to town on it. Um, Tony, we'd just like to ask you about the park runs down here in Gippsland. This is the most recent, but what else is available for the park run adventurers who might want to come down this way? Yeah, look, we've got Gippsland pretty well covered at the moment. Uh, we have 10 park runs through Gippsland from down on the Mornington Peninsula all the way across to Bairnsdale in East Gippsland. And we've got some fairly exciting news. There's a couple of new park runs coming up fairly soon. We're hoping to get Lakes Entrance, which will be a big one with the Holiday Makers launch. And we've got a bit of a surprise one coming up down on Mornington Peninsula, down on the bottom end of the peninsula. So that'll really cover Gippsland really well. So we've grown from just having one or two a couple of years ago to, to 10 now and a couple more to come up in the future. Thank you. Awesome work, Oyela. We love, love, love the roving adventurers getting out there and getting some reports from us, for us, I should say. And how awesome, three generations reaching 250 runs on the same day, like mm. 750 runs. That's, yeah, mind-blowing. Now, we've got, if you like that, we've got more roving reports coming up. This is the week for roving reports. We're going to save that for the outro. Next on the podcast, we have a guest 
all the way from Sweden. She had a bit of a big adventure in 2015 when she ran solo across Iran, taking approximately 58 days. Her name is Christina Paltian. Christina, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers. Thank you very much, Mel. Now, alone through Iran, that is um, a very big and many people would think scary undertaking. You also ran a very long distance. What was the motivation that made you decide to do this? Actually, it was to make the world a better place, (laughs) which sounds maybe a little bit big. But the reason why I did it was that I saw that in Sweden we have, um, it's a lot of fear, fear for strangers. It's xenophobia is growing. And I was thinking, I don't like fear. I don't like fear to rule my life. I don't like fear to rule the society where I'm living. I want a world that is based on trust and where we are curious about each other and are open to each other. So I was asking myself, what can I do? And I'm a runner and I'm a woman, so I just put on my running shoes and and went running through a Muslim country with Sharia laws because that was my way to show trust to a religion, culture, nation, people who are unknown to me. A woman running through Iran, I would have thought that's almost one of the scariest things you could come up with. Like, were you really scared going into it? Yes, I was. I was terribly scared before I left. Um, But I must say that I had the belief that most actions between people are good no matter where I am in the world. And I, I, I mean, if I have that belief and don't act according to it, then it's nothing worth. So I was kind of arguing with myself that, okay, there's one and a half billion Muslims in the world. Uh, what we see in the newspapers, that's what IS is doing. And one and a half billion Muslims can't be like IS because one and a half billion Christians are not like Anders Bering Breivik, the terrorist in Norway. So my logical mind was telling me that, okay, most likely most people are nice, but uh, my... My fears were telling me something totally different. And three weeks before I was going, I was just so afraid. And I thought I was the most stupid person in the entire universe (laughs) that could ever come up with such an idea. So I did have to to handle all the fears I had. And a psychologist, he, he told me to write down all my fears. And that was a very good thing because then I could separate them and see what they actually were. Then I also graded them from from zero to 100, where 100 was the worst. So that gave me a simple priority list. So I had three fears that scored 80. And the top fear was uh, to that someone would follow after me when I was running and attack me when I was sleeping in my tent. Because I felt very vulnerable when I was alone and at sleep. But then I had to figure out, okay, I have 22 different fears. What can I do to prevent it from happening? And that's a way of securing success. So, for instance, if I'm afraid of being attacked in the tent, well, if you find a hotel, stay in the hotel. If you don't find a hotel, well, 
ask a family if I can camp in their garden because then I will have some kind of relationship with some persons. And if I don't find a family, if it's just completely open and no people, well, bring the green tent, not the orange one. So I will have some kind of camouflage. And I also argue with myself that, okay, in Sweden, being raped is, I mean, usually 87% of the rape cases are in close relationships. It's not by strangers. So <laughs> I don't know anyone in Iran. So if it's the same there, it's probably a, a very little risk that I will be raped. I, I like your practical approach to, to breaking it down. And this sounds like really great advice um, to, to figure out what your fears were and to rate them on a scale. Was one of those things, I mean, obviously in a foreign country, many countries you go to, um, they speak a same or similar language or you, you have some of those sorts of skills. Um, I understand that you didn't have any understanding of the language in Iran. So did that rate somewhere in your fear scale, how you were going to communicate with the people that you were seeing on a daily basis? Actually, it didn't. I didn't think about that. And, but I've been traveling quite a lot in China. So I'm used to traveling in, in a country where I don't know the language. And I know that body language works. So with a few words and, and with body language, you can usually understand each other pretty well. Those are good skills to have. Yes, but it, it was difficult though. I mean, not many people speak English and I'm, I'm not very good at Persian. So it, it was a difficulty. So, so how, for example, would you ask uh, some people if you could camp in their garden? How, what Could you play out that kind of conversation for us if there was like no language, no common language between you? Well, actually, I never had to ask that question because I was invited to so many people. But I did have to ask it, though, in uh, there's like something called uh, the Red Crescent. It's like the Red Cross, but it's the Muslim variant. And in the beginning, when I, I started in Turkey and then I ran towards the Caspian Sea, and it's not a lot of people there, but there are lots of traffic accidents in Iran. And that means that there are stations along the road that the Red, red Crescent is running and the guy who are working there, they are sleeping there and having kitchen, having beds, etc. So the first time, the first period of time, I was sleeping in many Red Crescent sites. And I mean, it, it's easy to to ask for sleep. You just put your hands to your to your shin and pretend to sleep, and and kind of, I mean, look question look like you're asking and then pretend to sleep and point at them and and it works and so what did you discover about the people of iran did you did you meet isis were they, were they all horrible and mean to you or did you no, find, discover the, the opposite actually one of the very first learning i had before i before i even went to iran was that I didn't know that Iran was a Shia Muslim country and IS is a Sunni Muslim organization. So actually the Iranian government is working very hard to keep IS out of the country because they don't like each other. So, but when I was staying at the Red Crescent, one guy there, he, he did some body language where he told me Pakistani, Daesh, Iraq, Iranian police, boom! And that meant 
Pakistanis who are driving from from Pakistan to Iraq to fight for IS, they are shot by the Iranian police. So actually there is no IS in, in Iran, which really made me feel much better. And what about the people of Iran? Did they embrace you? Did they know what you were doing? Yeah, they. I mean, it was difficult for me to understand to explain what I was doing, but I was, um, I had a, a, a man here in Sweden, he learned about what I wanted to do, and, and he said that, okay, you're going to run through my old home country, Christina, and I want to help you as much as I can. So he helped me to plan the trip, he gave me a lot of advices, and then he also went with me to Tehran, so we flew there together, and he helped me to buy SIM cards because I cannot buy SIM cards without a Iranian passport. We also bought gas and, and maps for finding the way. And then he went home, but one of his friends from childhood, he drove me to the border in, to, to, towards Turkey. And his name was Maridad. And Maridad, when he went home to Tehran and I started running, he thought that, okay, I want to help Christina as well. So, so he he created a group on Telegram. It's similar to Messenger of the friends he knew that lived along the way where I was going to run. And they said, wow, there's a Swedish woman running through our country. So they added their friends and they added their friends. And when I came to places where, where it was more people, I always got a message from this group that, well, t- tonight you're coming to this city, Christina, and I knew I know someone who knows someone who knows someone who lives in there that city. So when I came running to that city, there was usually someone standing by the road saying, "Hello, you must be Christina. You're going to sleep in my home tonight." So actually, I've been sleeping in 34 different people homes. So my impression now is that the Iranian people are incredibly hospitable and friendly and helpful. They certainly sound very welcoming and wonderful that you had had some help in your preparations. What what other kind of things did you have to do before you left to, I mean, obviously there'd be training involved in terms of the running aspect, but what do you pack when you're going to run across a country that, you know, is 1144 miles? Mm. Well, first of all, I have a baby jogger. So, because I wanted to carry a tent and sleeping bag and sleeping mattress and kitchen, and I cannot carry it on my back. So, I have a baby jogger that I'm pushing in front of me. And, uh, well, me and my friend Karina, we had been running from Turkey to Finland two years before the run through Iran. And I knew the technique how to, to run with a baby jogger, and I knew what to pack. But Usually it's, it's not a whole lot of clothes that I'm packing. I had to change my clothes because I need to cover my hair. I need to cover my entire body in Iran. It's the law. Um, but it's a lot of equipment. For instance, I wanted, if this, I mean, this was an experience, but if it turned out well, then I, I understood that this will be a very, very strong message. And I want people to know what happens. I want I want to be visible in media. I want to display pictures. I want movies. I want I want to write text. I want to show what's going on. So I had a camera, a video camera, sound recording equipment, 
Uh, I had a, surf, a tablet and I mean, a lot of different things just to be able to communicate. But also, um, well, some clothes, not so much, but every day I had five kilos of water and I also had some food, of course. But usually people stopped, stopped in their cars and gave me fruit, so I didn't have to care too much about having food along the way. I'll admit, I don't know much about Iran and the Iranian lifestyle. What's it like as a country? Is it very civilized? Is it very advanced? What's going on in Iran? Oh, I would say it's very diverse, very complex. In, in the beginning and in the end, it was quite poor areas. I mean, I saw shepherds and um, children who were working. Um, but in, I mean, in like Tehran or in the big cities, or I stayed one night at the doctor's home. He was, the man was a doctor, his wife was a doctor, and she was climbing mountains in Nepal, and their son was studying architecture, and, and we sat there on their porch in a very beautiful garden drinking beer, and talking about the yoga trips they were doing when they went to India. So I would say it's it's everything between not having really the food you need for the day to being incredibly rich, very well educated, and, well, everything in between. I'd, I'd be really keen to know how, so obviously you had a fantastic running base Christina um if you if you've run across previous countries before and marathons and things what kind of kilometers or miles did you average each day and what was the terrain like mm. well actually in Iran I purposely didn't run very far if, if you take 1840 kilometers divided by 38 or 58 days it's 32 kilometers a day but actually, eight days were resting days and 50 days were running days. So if I divide it by 50, it's 37 kilometers per day. And I didn't want to run too far because I wanted to write. I also wanted to post pictures and so on. And it takes time and it's difficult to be a creative writer if I'm too exhausted. So, But in the beginning, the terrain was... Uh, well, I was surprised by the heat. I thought it was going to be 30, 35 degrees Celsius, but it was 45 to 50. And it was horribly hot to run fully covered. <laughs> and um, and it was a lot of mountains, sand, desert. But then after a while, I came to a part of the country that it's a, it's a bit higher altitude, so it turned cooler. But after passing the mountains, I came down to the Caspian Sea, and then I had a sea to the left and, and mountains to the right. So that means it's very humid, but it's also very green and very beautiful. And, but it was maybe 35 degrees Celsius there, but the humidity was a problem. 37 kilometers is still almost a marathon every day that you actually ran, so that's not a short distance. No, that, that's true, and it, I know it sounds a bit weird, but when me and Karina was running from Turkey to Finland, we did, we did a marathon per day in 75 days in a row, and now I was only doing 37 per day for 50 days, so it was shorter. But, so 
And I think that's interesting because that's a mental thing. I mean, when you run further, then it feels short to run shorter, even if that short is quite far. So, so running, I didn't see running as a problem. It was just do it, so to say, but the heat was a problem. And also, of course, I was a bit worried about the culture. So, but as long as I get proper rest, which means eating and sleeping, then it works. The body is, is kind of going in, into a different state when you run every day like that. After three days, I don't, I don't do any stretching. My legs are, are not sore. They are, they are kind of just rolling, and it's a different state. I, and it's very nice. <laughs> Are you going to make a movie out of this? Yeah. Before I left, the intention was that a Swedish journalist would, would was supposed to follow me. But since I wanted to make the run alone, he was he was going to meet me every third day and take pictures and do some movies. But he didn't get a journalist visa. So when I started it, it was only me. So I was running around with my video camera trying to film as good as I could. But then after a while, an Iranian man, photographer, got a, a, a permission to, to be with me. So he was with me for eight days. And the other 50 days I've been filming myself. And I was running around with my video camera and not understanding what people were saying to me when I filmed them. But seeing this documentary, when, when what I had filmed was translated and finally understanding what people said it was just so much fun <laughs> oh that's that must have been a real gift <laughs> <laughs> i mean i could finally understand six months after <laughs> what people told me <laughs> i hope it was all oh, good that's wonderful mm, yeah i guess you will have some good laughs during the documentary because the communication is really <laughs> wonderful it's completed now, and yeah, I actually we just signed an agreement to, to distribute it in the U.S. and also in Europe, and I think it will be on um, uh, Australian um, running festival uh, this in October. Okay, perfect. So it's called Alone Through Iran. Yeah, eleven forty-four miles of trust. What about the running culture in Iran? Did you have people join you along the way? Is there a good Cool group of runners? No, I would say that in Iran, I mainly met people who, uh, I mean, they enjoy being with their families, which means the extended family, so it includes relatives, and, and they eat a lot of food and are laughing a lot. But uh, I wouldn't say that exercise is, is very popular. It was a running club who ran with me one day and usually those guys they were running between 5 and 10k but this day they ran 10 kilometers or 35 kilometers with me so that was really fun <laughs> and some of them couldn't walk the day after but uh, one of them was an ultra marathon runner and he was running with me the second day as well and also at some occasions i had children who were running with me women who were walking with me or men who were walking with me but Usually, generally, I would say that I had to slow down, uh, in, even in walking, to, because people are not exercising quite a lot in Iran. 
Christina, you've you've got the documentary coming out in a little while. What have you been doing? What other adventures are on the horizons for you now that, you know, this is behind you? Yeah, well, first of all, it's been taking quite a long time to digest everything that happened in Iran. It was a marvelous trip with so many, I mean, so much happened. So it's been taking some time to make the documentary. Right now, I'm also writing a book about this run, and it will be released globally. So I'm really looking forward to that. But of course, I mean, usually I need some rest after an adventure, and I am starting dreaming about new things. And sometimes I think maybe I should go to Africa because Africa is a giant comp- con- or it's a giant uh, I don't, area. I don't know the word in English. It's a giant continent. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know much about it. And it would be wonderful to discover where our roots supposedly are from, running back to the origin of humankind. But also I'm thinking it would be very interesting to go running in, in for instance, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all the Stan countries, because I know very, very little about them. And I heard that there is a lot of beautiful nature there. But first of all, I'm going to... Hungary today make a six-day run. It's um, you go running on a one-kilometer lap for for 144 hours and see how far you get. Hey, Christina, I've got to admit I admire your bravery, I admire your adventurousness, but also your humanitarian efforts in setting out to try and find out something different about the people of the world. So thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing that story with us this week. Thank you, Scott. It's been great to talk to you. We have to make sure you look up and find one of those park runs in Sweden. Yeah, I would would Google it and see if I find it. We're going to catch up with one of our EDs now, and we're going to catch up with one of our EDs who's been around for a long time. I hope you don't mind me saying it. Welcome to the podcast, Dawn Courage from Kingscliff. Hey Scott, hi Mel. Now you have been around for a while, you're one of our original event directors. Not only are you the original from Kingscliff, but you've been around for since the very early days of parkrun in Australia. Yes, I have, I have. I ran, um, I, I think there was only two park runs when I ran my first one, which was at Main Beach, and I think, oh there might have been three, I think there was one in Brisbane, maybe one in Melbourne and, and Main Beach at that time, and uh then I went to Kira after that, and I think Kira had, was number four or five or something. So, yeah, I was one of the early participants in uh, Australia. And then, um, yeah, one of the earlier part runs to set up, and I'm still here. So you obviously love it. You love Kingscliff. Yeah, I do. I love Kingscliff, and I love I love all the part runs. Um, I love the idea of the, the concept of it. Um, as a runner, I've, I've run myself. I was looking back at it, actually, um, just this week, I think, it was 1986 when I first started running, and um, so I've been running for 30 years um, in some form or other. My son's run at various levels through all of his 21 years of, of life, and um, I've always been grateful for somebody to hold the stopwatch for me or him when we've been doing our thing. So Park Runs enabled us to, to do the stopwatch volunteer bit, 
and also participate as well. So, and it's free when you think how expensive um, entry fees are to do anything or belong to any club to have a free event. Uh, I just, uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of it really. Uh, even if I wasn't involved um, as a, a, an event director, um, I still would, would shout it from the rooftops without a doubt. <laughs> Dawn, being one of the early early starters, you must be, oh, obviously your volunteering would have meant that your run count has taken a little bit of a hit, but how are you, how are you tracking with your runs? Because we're starting to see a few 250 shirts in Australia. I know, no, I'm, I think I'm about a 130 or something like that. I'm over the 100, so, but for the first, I think the first two years that we had Kingscliff, I, I, ran, I think I event directed pretty much every week. So there was a long dry period when I didn't get any running done at all um, unless I did it was a little bit naughty um, and I used to sneak the odd run in when I was still supposed to be event directing. But, of course, I don't do that now. But in the early days, we used to try and, oh, okay, everybody's all right. I'll just run out and back and, and do one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's, um, there's, there's plenty more times. I'm going to be running until I'm about 80, so I'll get there. But, yeah, there are there are some, some really big numbers now coming up. I think um, we've got a couple of 200s that run regularly with us, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's an achievement to do 250. I was happy just to get to my 100 personally. <laughs> It'll be a long time before I get to 250. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got other things on your plate, haven't you? Of course. So things have changed over the years, Dawn. What are some of the things that you've noticed that have changed? Like back in the old days, you could do a cheeky run there as the run director. Have you noticed anything else change over the years? Um, uh, well, I suppose that the Parkland tourism has, has grown and grown and grown. And, you know, when we do the shout-out every week, the, the faces and the, the hands that go up from so many different place you know different park runs not just in Australia but across the world that's that's really noticeable um the other things that have changed I and mean, we're, we're one of the lucky few that have got the tent I think after I don't know what run number it was but after about run number 50 was set up we I don't think that you could afford to do the tents anymore so we've still got our tents and we're very proud of our tent and we put it up every week um so that's we've still got that um and it was of course in the old days it was just Tim Everything just went through Tim. If you wanted anything, you called Tim, and um, we didn't have territory directors or anything like that. It was it was just Tim, Tim, and a little bit more Tim. Um, <laughs> so I suppose that was the biggest change. And um, yeah, I mean, eventually it, were not, uh, it wasn't too long when one man couldn't handle it all because, as the graphs show, the it's just like a, the side of a mountain. The growth, you know, you just trekked along at two or three or four, five, six, seven, and then whoosh, hundred part runs before in the blink of an eye. So um, yeah, that's that's um, been been a change. It's just you know the, the hierarchy, really, I guess. Now, Dawn, I've run your course, but I don't believe Scotty has yet had the pleasure. For those of our parkrun adventurers out there who haven't visited Kingscliff yet, can you give us a brief description? Well, I would say that I mean I haven't because I, I am at Kingscliff almost every week myself, but I haven't been to many. Not really. Not compared compared with how many there are out there. But I'd almost stick my neck out and say it has to be one of the fastest, if not the fastest, run out there. It is straight out and back. There's no turns. There's no hills. There's no sand. There's not, nothing where you have to slow down to go round anything. 
it is just a straight two and a half round a cone and you're back. Um, we're also very lucky that we're sheltered by the natural buffer between us and the, and the seafront. So the, the wind is usually very kind to us. It tends to come in off the sea. So it, it gets caught in the trees. So we don't get it very often, a straight headwind. Um, so it, it's very kind that way. Um, what else? Yeah. And also with, with the trees there, we tend to get the shade too. So um, I, yeah, I, I think that it's got to be up there if it's not the fastest. I mean, I know we don't have the fastest record, but I do believe that's because we haven't had anybody really super fast come and test it out in a racing type situation. We tend to get maybe one fast person on their own. And as we know, you know, trying to run a time trial is never as quick as if you're in a race. But I think if we've got two red hot runners on their days having a go, I think that that the course records would be in danger because it is, it's, it's super fast. It really is. Um, and being protected from the wind, you know, in a fairly cool conditions. Um, yeah, that's, that's really, if you like a fast run, I'd say that that was a plus. If you don't like hills, it's a plus. We've got a cafe um, and good parking at the start, which is also the finish line. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, okay, it's, it's not interesting, you know. We don't have any landmarks really. You can't you can't see the lighthouse, um, you know. There's no lake or anything to look at. So I guess it's a bit of a speed demons course. It, it's suitable for buggies too, you know. If anybody's pushing a pram, you know, you've got no. Um, it, it's flat. There's nothing that's going to cause you any grief with your buggy. Um, so yeah, um, and we like we we we're friendly. Um, we are part run light. We're not generally going to ask you to put any costumes on or run in a three-legged race or, you know, egg and spoon it round or anything like that. But we're a friendly bunch. Um, we like to have a laugh. We've got our frame that everybody's happy to stick their head in and have their photo taken through. I like to think my husband's an excellent photographer um, and he, he does take the photos most weeks and um, and the, you'll get a great finishing shot when you when you come in across the line if he's a photographer. So, if you want to make the trip up this way and check if he's on taking the, the photos, um, you'll get a nice memento to take away with you for sure. And of course, you know, when we haven't got uh, um, daylight savings in operation, you can come and run both events. You can run Kira and then you can come and run ours, but it has to be a freedom run, but you can come and run it. We're very happy for you to run in the pack with the rest of them and um, just give yourself a personal challenge to see whether you have got two park runs in you. And that's, um, that's a fun thing that quite a lot of people do. And you don't have to race between the two, providing you can run at a fairly decent pace at Kira. You don't have to get in your car and really be dangerous. It's a comfortable drive to get to us comfortably without taking any risks. And then I mean, if you haven't, um, you can record Kira as your freedom run if you like and see how fast you can do your second one in. But, um, but yeah, so it's so still a good challenge that's out there for any part run tourists who'd like to do um, what we call the double. You also have the distinction of being the easternmost event in Australia currently. And I believe since the inception of the Compass Club, you may have received a few more parkrun adventurers visiting to get the eastern point of the compass. How is that working out for you? Well, I didn't even know about it until fairly recently, but um, I thought that's a, that's, that's a bit of fun. And I, I, I nobody's actually said to me, when they've come along that that's what they've come along specifically to do but um yeah i suppose that that's they must do so that's nice and it, it's just a, it's nice to think that yay we've we've got something a little bit unique down here um at the moment i mean if byron ever decide to start up 
then um, you know, then we'll be the second easterliest. Um, and actually, that would be nice if Byron did have one. But I, I think they struggle down there to try and find somewhere that's um, suitable to put a 5K on because we do get a lot of uh, visitors uh, and local runners come up to us from Byron. And I know that they'd love to have one, but they, I think they're struggling to find somewhere that's suitable to hold it. Um, yeah, so I think we'll be the most easy for a little while yet. But we've got an event launching on the Ballina coast. Yep. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think I'm, well, I'm told that it's 500 metres less easterly. <laughs> and I think it's literally where the position of the course is because we are, we're almost on the beach. We are, you know, if it's, we've just got the nature strip between us and the beach. So we are as far on that coast as you can be, whereas they're not there. I think their part, their, their path is going to be just slightly inland. And that's, that's all it takes. So, um, I looked at it on the map and I thought, oh, that is flipping close. But uh, the powers that be have said that they've looked it up. And who am I to argue with the park-run tourists? They know their stuff and they... Yeah, it all comes down to the GPS coordinates, that's for sure. Um, I know that when Weeper launched, it was like, ooh, Darwin. Darwin might be pipped for the northernmost with Weeper. But, yeah, there's, there's a kilometre or two in it between those two. But, you know... That's where all the fun is, you know, people should go and try and join the Compass Club now and then if they get kicked out because new events get launched, well, there's another adventure to be had. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Dawn, thanks for coming on. That's okay. I hope to see both of you um, some point um, down on our course and you know, tell you, well, anyone who's listening, come and have a crack at our course because I think, um, you know, if you're on form and um, you're thinking, up, you know, how fast can I run? If you get a good day on our course, I think you could surprise yourself. Next time I'm looking for a PB, I think I'll travel to Kingscliff. That's it, definitely. I think it's 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 one for the, yeah, it's it's one certainly one for that. I would um, put money on it. Not a lot of money, but I would put money on it. <laughs> <laughs> Australia is getting a queue this weekend with the launch of Queen Bianne Park Run in New South Wales. And equally, if not more exciting, because we don't even have one of these yet. Oh, no, we do. We do have one. But it's an E in Emerald. Hmm. Where's the other E? Echuca. No, well, that hasn't launched yet. So this will be our first first E. E. Yeah. Echuca's launching next week, I think. Okay. I could have sworn Echuca launched already. No, not yet. <laughs> Shows how, how much attention I'm paying. <laughs> not even paying attention <laughs> to your own podcast, Mel. But, and it's also very important to point out that Queen Bean, you may not know this, Mel, is actually in New South Wales. I did say that it was in New South Wales. Yes, yeah, so I was just pointing it out, that it's definitely in New South Wales. <laughs> As opposed to ACT, which is where lots of people think it is. Yes, I don't know who would ever think that. But it's definitely in New South Wales, so that's fantastic. Another park run for New South Wales. We've They've been busy this year. Have they? I thought we were a bit light yeah. on for launches so far this year. Now they're all coming uh, thick and fast. Yeah, I think in terms of prospects, New South Wales, are um, they're lining them up. In terms of anniversaries this week... It's another Victorian domination, Lilydale Lake and Parkville. 
celebrating their anniversaries, third and first. For those two events. So, Donuts, are you going to either of these anniversaries this weekend, Scotty? I'm not, because we're doing a kids. We're doing the very first, you know these kids take over park run events? Where yes, all the kids I do, do know them. those. Well, I've never done them in my tenure, in my reign as ED, wherever I've gone. Oh, I've, I've never done You've been one. missing out on a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, but we're going to do one this week at Westerfolds, and my daughter, in her excitement, just decided to put her name down for pre-event setup. Okay. Which means we've got to do the, we've got to walk the course before the event, and then we've got to walk the event. She didn't think that through, and ten kilometres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. So I'm not sure if Kasha should be running, walking 10Ks, but we're going to find out on Saturday. Well, if you just take the first one easy, I mean, it might mean quite an early start. Yeah. Could you perhaps set up like on bikes? That's what we're thinking. What's involved with the setup on Westerfolds? Do Do you just need to arrow some things or do you put signs out? Yeah, we put some signs out, but because it's a big looped course, you have to actually, there's no shortcuts. You have to walk the whole course. Also, I remember in my early days, I tried to figure out any shortcut I could, but you always had to run halfway through the course to put a sign out and then end up running back. And by the time you'd done that, you'd done 5K. There are just no shortcuts. (laughs) I tried. For six months, I tried. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So, I can't make the two anniversaries in Victoria. Fair enough. I'm sure they'll have Two fun with that. Two park runs at Westerfolds will be enough. Yeah. But let's turn our attention to an anniversary from last week. Laylaw. Also in Victoria. Also in Victoria. Gary Murphy visited his Nindy. And he went along and got some reports for us. Take it away, Gary. G'day, Mel and Scott. It's Gary Murphy from Highlands Park Run in Melbourne. Park Run Day this week, I did some adventuring to Laylaw Park Run in the northern suburbs of Melbourne for their first anniversary ticking my Nendi off in the process, and catching up with some fellow parkrunners and volunteers in a roving report. I talked with junior parkrunner Alyssa, who took some amazing photos, especially of the cake, which had a replica of High Five Bridge on it. She loves parkrunning with her friends and is a great volunteer. Colin, who captured some great memories for everyone of all the fluoro action that lit up the course. Paula, the tail runner, who was high-fiving and encouraging everyone along the way. And Chloe, who did a terrific job on the barcode scanner. The thing is, you have to make sure that you hit the record button while you're talking to outstanding volunteers such as these. But I want to thank them for talking to me anyway and sharing some great stories. Of course, theirs were the best, the ones that I missed. However, here is some of the action I did capture. But first, while I've got the opportunity, I want to give you, Mel and Scott, a huge shout out for all the time and effort you put into the podcast. It's great to hear what's going on around the country and indeed the world. You give us the opportunity to feel more connected to our parkrun cousins and encourage us to adventure along to different park runs to share the park run love. Keep up the good work. Anyway, blue skies, happy park running. Here's Laylaw Park Run. I'm here with Melissa Flintjar at Laylaw Park Run at the first anniversary. She's the Laylaw Park Run founding event director, a running mum, a Laylaw Running Club founder, mother of twins and all-round good egg. Mel, congratulations on the first anniversary park run. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations to you and your event team on Laylaw's first anniversary. What have been the highlights of your first year? Uh, There's been lots of highlights, but for me, I've really enjoyed 
um, the camaraderie of Leilor Parkrun. It's it's a great community where everyone's out supporting each other. Uh, there's constantly uh, runners going back to help other runners. Um, we've we've had lots of people achieve PBs, and it's been a great thrill to see. Uh, walkers turn into joggers and joggers turn into runners. For those who haven't been lucky enough to park run at Layla yet, describe your course. Um, the course, people come here thinking that it's a, a, a flat course. Um, it starts off in the parklands, uh, so you get to walk or run around the external perimeter of the park first, and then you head up onto the bike path, you cross High Five Bridge, and then you head southbound along the freeway uh, to the turnaround and then you have a nice about 1.2 climb back up to up to the park where you enter the parklands uh, through around the lake into the finish line. Uh, very good I'm looking forward to doing the bridge that's uh, that's my highlight today I'm very looking very much looking forward to that. Um, do you have a favorite volunteer role that you like to do? Um, I actually like being tail runner um, I get to see everyone out on the course and being able to cheer everyone on and tell everyone what a good job they're doing and give everyone a high five. So that's my favourite volunteer role. That's cool. And I notice you've got a huge list of uh, park runs you've adventured to. What would be your top three? Um, apart from Laylor, <laughs> I um, really, really enjoyed Shepparton. That's a really beautiful course. And uh, oh, it would be a close... A close call between Portland and Warrnambool for my third, so either of those two. And who was the person that introduced you to parkrun? Um, oh, now through Running Mums Australia, I met Michelle Esdale, who was a Diamond Creek parkrunner, and she encouraged me to come along um, for my first try, which was, I believe, November 2015. So which parkrun is on your bucket list? Um, it'd definitely have to be the home of Parkrun Bushy Park in the UK. I like the sound of that. Well, good luck today, Mel. Have fun. And uh, we'll catch up with you at the end and see how you went. Thank you. Well, now I've found Kaz Derby. Derby? Derby. Derby. And Kaz is the uh, guest event, the guest run director for today. And she's from Mullum Mullum Parkrun. Welcome, Kaz. Thanks very much, and I'm really happy to be here. I'm very excited to be able to celebrate Lala's first anniversary. So what's brought you here today to be run director? Uh, Mel actually uh, requested or asked me if I would run direct so that the event team could, could actually run the course together because they've not actually all run it together before. So I was quite happy to do that for her. Awesome. So that she could do that, yeah. And have you run the course yourself? I have. I was here for the launch yep. 12 months ago and I've run it once since. So okay. I don't get over this way very often as yep. I, I tour a lot of different park runs um, and I'm also run director of Mullum so it keeps me pretty busy. That's awesome uh, park run adventuring and um, volunteerism. Oh yeah, lots of that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So Kaz, what's your favourite volunteer role? Um, I actually love timekeeping or um, uh, finishing tokens because you get to cheer everybody over the line. Yeah. So you see everybody that comes through. Yeah. Um, I also like barcode scanning because yeah. you know you see people's names, you can address them by name, tell them they did a great job, um, and again you get to see everybody. Oh, good luck today, Kaz. Thank you. We'll see you at the run brief. Yes. And we'll catch up with you later. Thanks. Okay, so I've found some more park runners. I've found Pat and Holly. Where are you guys from? 
Craigie Bend. And which park runs that? Highlands. Ah, excellent. And what, what brought you here today? It's the anniversary and I'm from Lawler originally. That's where I grew up. Ah, excellent. And have you park run here before? It's my fourth one here. And how many have you done, Pat? Uh, about 180. <laughs> and what about you, Hole? Um, 44. Excellent. Oh, have fun today. Thank you. We'll see you out in the course. We will. All right, now I've found Chris Bullock. Chris is a uh, Laylaw Park runner and a brand new uh, run director. How did your first run director experience go? Oh, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, jumped up there on the park bench and uh, just, yeah, told the crowd everything. Uh, yeah, it's a bit nerve-wracking, but uh, everyone had a good time and, uh, yeah, it was, it was all good. And how did you get started in park run? Um, I came here, I was here one year ago um, at, our, at the Laylaw launch. I just heard about it via Facebook. Thought it would be a few, few crazy nutters out here, but uh, there's actually almost 200 people here, and uh, yeah, I've loved it ever, ever since. I always come down with the family, and uh, and my wife Beck is also a run director, so um, yeah, it's a real family affair. Oh, that's awesome, mate. Yeah, talking about crazy, it looks pretty crazy, but pretty cool here today. Everybody's in fluoro. It's uh, overcast, but there won't be any rain. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited. It looks really good today, this morning. Yeah, I think the photos will uh, look great. Um, yeah, everyone's in the bright colours. We've got a fantastic cake and, um, yeah, should have really uh, put on a show this yeah, the, morning. The cake's brilliant. That'll look good in the photos too. It's, it has a replica of High Five Bridge on the cake, so that will be very impressive. Yep. Thanks, Chris. Good luck today. Have Thank fun you. and thanks for being a run director. Thank you very much. Cheers. All right, now, we've finished Laylaw Park Run and I've rounded up a few park runners and I have... Fa- I ha- There's someone finishing. Well done. And I've found food from Karkarook. Anita Nichols. And from, I'm going to say Bushy Park, originally from Bushy Park, but now roaming the country looking for parkrun adventures are Matt Paul and Margaret Shotlicker. Good on you. And you guys are in the country parkrunning around and just what's around your. Melbourne. What, around Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just doing tourists around all the area. Yeah. We, we move around quite a lot, house sitting, so we're, we're doing all of the parkruns in our local areas. Great. And so, how many have you done different parkruns, do you think? Uh, I think we've done eight now yeah something like that yeah and, and given that we've got the event director from Karkarook do you have a top three? <laughs> oh yeah Karkarook is one of them because it was one of our first who's uh, the 20 <laughs> yeah I think my favourite's probably um, Maribyrnong right and Studley Studley oh Studley's great. beautiful yeah I know uh, very challenging I know um, Scott will be happy with you saying that um, and so how's Karkarook going? Karkarook is going really, really well. Um, we've now got five run directors that are assisting um, and we are growing week on week. So we average about 180 to 200 every week now, which is terrific. Wow. Um, and yeah, we, we have about 30 new new runners um, and walkers every single week, which is great. Yeah. And how did you find today at Laylaw? Was it a good course? It was hard up until it held, and then, <laughs> and then it was all downhill. <laughs> it's beautiful. The energy is amazing. I don't know whether it's like this every year, every week. <laughs> Or because it's the uh, one year anniversary, but everyone's in high spirits and cheering and high fives galore and yeah, it's been amazing. And when I found you guys at the start, I loved that you didn't know that today was the anniversary and you turned up and thought, this is unusual, what's happening here? We're just going to say, this is what happens every week. I got to meet Melissa um, a few months ago and I saw her in um, full colour in the Melbourne Marathon and I, you know, knowing Melissa, I knew that today was going to be awesome and um, it certainly hasn't disappointed. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it has been a lot of energy and really Lots good. Lots of energy. Thanks so much, guys, for talking to me. Well done today. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we're at the finish line now and I'm with... Karen. Karen. Karen's doing timekeeping. We've got a bit of a gap, so I'm going to jump in and ask her a few questions. How's it going, Kaz? Yeah, really good, man. How many have we got so far? 
Uh, 90. And how long have you been park running for? Uh, since October last year. How many have you done, do you know? I have done 16 runs and this is my 11th volunteer. Good on you, Kaz, that's cool. And I noticed your Lalo Running Club type. Lalo Running Club, yes. How's that going? Yeah, really good, Tuesday, Thursday nights. Awesome. Get along and, uh, you know, do some training. Good job, Kaz, thanks for volunteering today. No worries. Thanks, thanks for talking to me. No worries. Cool. Well, I found Mel and she's just finished uh, the first anniversary park run with an awesome avenue of honour at the finish. Uh, Mel, that was great fun. How did it go for you? It was good. Um, I walked it. Um, so I got to high five everyone and um, it was very emotional at the end when everyone formed the Avenue of Honour and I got to high five everyone. So it was a really good event. It was. The, it was so much energy and excitement and you put on a great event and the colour was just awesome. So congratulations on your first birthday. Thank All the you. best for the next 15. <laughs> and uh, thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Awesome work by our adventurers this week. It's a long podcast this week. Are you sure it's going to be that long? It's going to be long, yeah. Yep. Our reporters have come through. Our interviews were riveting and fantastic. So it's time to wrap it up. Give people time with their families, time to go for a run. Well, aren't they listening to us while they run? Some do. Yep. Some do. So let's give them an opportunity to stop running. If you are still running, this is your opportunity now to go really, really hard until the podcast finishes. Go. But now we have to talk for at least 30 seconds or a minute, Scotty, to make it worthwhile. No, well, if they're running really hard, let's, let's drag it out. I could play a song. Should we play a song and then come back and say goodbye? Or maybe we should just say, go, 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 go. No, that'd be annoying. So they run faster. Because if you're sitting... That would be annoying. No, because if you're sitting on the train listening to this, that's annoying. Trust me. <laughs> Having you shout, go, go, go. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll consider the commuters who aren't out there on their feet. Just dragging it out a bit longer. We'll finish it any time now. That's enough. See you, Mel. See you next week. See you, Scotty.